0: you're listening to the center church podcast we hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus
1: God has been challenging my heart about this area of called discipleship and uh, what it means to be a true disciple and you know it's something that often when we talk about discipleship we we look at it from a, a new believers perspective and, and something that often we're um, we focus on for, for people who have just come into the faith. And yet, I think for, for those of us who've been in the church for a long time, discipleship in the word being a disciple can, can almost seem like I've done that, I, I've been there, I got the t-shirt, I did the course, and, and now I'm kind of moving on with my life. And yet, God is challenging me of going back to that root of what it means to be a disciple. Because actually disciples, the word disciples is used over 267 times in the Gospels. Jesus referred a lot to being a disciple. What was a disciple? What did it mean to be a disciple? And so we're going to look today at, and and over this coming month, at Discipleship 101 is the title of the series, Discipleship 101. When people say they're a Christian, it has all sorts of connotations in our cultural context, doesn't it? Um, some people would call themselves a Christian because they were, they're were christened as a baby. And so because of that, they would put on a census, I'm a Christian. Uh, those who maybe go to church once in a while or, or have parents that go to church or or maybe even hold Christian values that they say, OK, I'm a Christian. It's a Christian thing to do. Maybe it's even those who believe in Jesus but don't actually pursue a relationship with him. We can even have within the church structure, we can have a kind of a tiered system of Christianity. On one level, we have those who may have made a profession of faith, yet they kind of drift in and out of the church. Their beliefs and commitments are kind of more one of convenience. So when it's convenient, they're kind of engaged, they're part of it. But when other things come along, they're not really a part of it. And there's kind of this, it's just, it's just something we do. It's almost like Christianity is a hobby. You know, and it makes us feel good. We come to church, we like it, and I feel good about it, and go on. And if I have to be here in a three weeks time, or four weeks time, or a month's time, or if if I just kind of come when I need it, and it's not just about coming to church, but it's actually our relationship with God in in general. It's just kind of a when it feels right, we'll we'll engage. But then on the other side of the spectrum, you have those who are kind of really sold up for Jesus and and want kind of all that God has for them. And, and all of this can be under the umbrella of being a Christian. It's kind of a funny thing, isn't it? And yet, when we look at Scripture, Jesus defined Christianity as being a disciple. He There, there was actually not a difference between one Christian and another Christian. He actually just kind of laid the, the, kind of the, the ground rules and said, this is what it means to follow me. Now, we've kind of added all sorts of clauses to that. And kind of various spectrums. So long as I said the prayer. Have you said the prayer? You know, the prayer, the sinner's prayer. Have you said the prayer? If you said the prayer, it's all good to go. Because it's really important we just say the prayer. Jesus talked about this aspect of discipleship. That actually, if you wanted to be a follower of Him, you had to be a disciple of Him. In other words, you're, if you're not a disciple, you're not a Christian. Interesting thought, isn't it? I can't be a Christian without being a disciple. It doesn't work that way, it, it, it can't work it th- that way. right? You can't say, I'm a Christian, but the discipleship bit of it is not quite for me. That's a little bit hardcore. No, actually, you're not a Christian, actually, unless you're a disciple. Disciples, being a disciple was used before the language of Christian And a disciple is something that's very deep It's very challenging because a disciple is the student Training and learning to be like the teacher It's not just learning what the teacher has to say But it's actually learning to be like the teacher in every way When those were called to be disciples of Jesus When he called them to be a disciple He called them to be like him if you're going to be my disciple, it isn't just a sense of I'll pass on to you what I know. It's I want you to become like me, and who I am. And when Jesus calls us and He says, "You know, I I, I call you to be my disciple. I speak to you to be my disciple. To be His disciple is not just kind of learning His nice teachings and kind of kind of going on with the flow of, of of singing nice songs in church and being happy clappy. That's not actually. What, it's actually it's learning in every capacity what it means to be like Jesus. It's learning from Him, it's training to be like Him, it's, it's picking up His character and His thought process. When we commit our lives to Christ and we pray the salvation prayer, it's not the finish line, but it's actually the starting point. Jesus didn't say go into all the world and make converts. He said, Go into all the world and make disciples. Right? Our, our mission as a church is not just to make converts. It isn't for you just to say the prayer. But actually the prayer is the starting point in a whole process of becoming more like Jesus. And when I say the prayer, it's more of an introduction to the teacher. It's saying, okay, God, here's my life. I'm yours. And now I'm in your hands. It's the first day of the first class of the rest of your life, of a learning process. You see, some people, and I think even as the church, we can kind of fall into a thought, a misunderstanding. They said, if if we just kind of cross a certain line, we're safe. But actually, it isn't there isn't a line like that in our walk with God. Because the disciple is a follower, which means you have to continue to follow. It means you have to continue to learn. You have you you don't actually cross a line, and now you're in the safe zone, right? This whole thought of, I've got my fire insurance. If all goes pear-shaped to my life, I'm good to go. It goes beyond that. That actually makes the, the Christian message very shallow, if it's just about not getting to hell. So I know Jesus, so he's he's kind of my scapegoat. Actually, no, no, no. Our Christian walk is far deeper than that. Coming to know the Lord and saying, God, I, I surrender my life to him is a starting point. It's an introduction. And now the real, real work begins. And, and Jesus is so gracious to us because he gives us his spirit to help transform us from the inside out. We're not actually in this alone. You and I are not having to try to figure it out and kind of see a picture of Jesus and, and try to, how do, how do I look like Jesus? How do I act like Jesus based upon what the Bible says? And, oh, that's really hard work. I've got to change lots of stuff. No. He's actually his spirit comes. When we say yes to him, his spirit comes in us and begins to change us from the inside out. However, it's a work in progress and we have to be compliant to his work. You see, again, it isn't a, a, a thing where we say yes to Jesus and now we're possessed by the Holy Spirit. In some ways, it'd be a lot easier if that worked it worked that way. <laughs> if we just kind of lost control and then Jesus came and took over control. But actually, I mean, that's how the enemy works, but that's not how God works. God constantly is needing our compliance. His Spirit is there in us to bring change and to bring hope and to bring renewal and to bring all that He He wants to do in us. But actually, we we are contributing factors to that. His Spirit can only do as much as we allow Him to do. He doesn't just take control and we just kind of go with it unless we allow that to happen and we say yes to Him. Jesus raised the bar of what discipleship looked like when we read, well, we read it in Luke chapter 14, which we'll look at right now. And the whole passage of scripture says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And Jesus turned to them and said this, okay, I want you to think of this. There was a large crowd around Jesus. Lots of people wanted to be Christians. And he's like, okay, it's great that you like to follow me. I mean, Jesus was, was, a really cool guy who he was healing people who were sick and people were hungry and he fed them and it was like fish and chips whenever they needed it and all sorts of stuff It's like this is the bomb he's he's a cool guy we like to hang out with him and Jesus says, you know that's really great you're, you're following me as a big crowd but you kind of need to understand that to follow me there's gonna be a cost and the cost is actually quite quite high and I want to lay it out for you now if you're wanting to build an empire of support this is probably not the best message to start off with. Okay? This is probably not the best way to win a crowd over to really be on your side. He, he kind of lays a groundwork that it is challenging even today as we look at it. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brother and sisters, yes, even his own life cannot be my disciple. Now just to stop there for a second. Now this, this word, these words seem very contradictory, but Jesus ultimately was saying this. Unless I'm here and everything else in your life is here, it won't work. If something in your life is greater than me, this will never work. You cannot follow me. Now, for all of us, this is a big one. My wife? You have to come before my wife or my husband? You have to come before my family, my, my parents, my... Yes, actually, that's how it has to work. Nobody, nothing, not even yourself can come above me. This is the starting point. Wow. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Ooh. Now, again, we don't live in a time of crucifixion. Crucifixion isn't something you see every day in Burgess Hill. People hanging on a cross. But in that time, that would have been something people, that was graphic. They knew what that was all about. And so when he says, you, you need to pick up your cross, I mean, picking up your cross is something that you, they would have saw people do, carrying their cross to the place where they were going to be crucified. He was saying, you're going to need to die to yourself. Wow. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to, co- to complete it? For if he lays the foundation, is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it Will ridicule him saying this fellow began to build and was not able to finish or suppose a king is about to go uh, to war against another king will he not first sit down and consider whether he has he he is able with ten thousand men to oppose the one coming against him with twenty thousand if he is not able he will send a delegation while the others is still a long way off and will ask terms of peace in the same way anyone who does not give up everything He cannot be my disciple in the same way any of you who does not give up everything cannot be my disciple Jesus talks about the sense of counting the cost of discipleship if you want to follow me it's going to cost you everything that's the only type of Christianity Jesus defines if you want to be a disciple if you want to be a follower of me it's going to cost you everything Now, we look to Jesus and we have our salvation, which is a free gift. He gives everything to us free. That's his grace. He pays our penalty. We we stand redeemed. We've heard this word this morning. But in return, he asks everything of us. That's the starting point of this journey that we go on. And it's not difficult to surrender everything over to him. Jesus, in essence, was saying the very starting point of discipleship is surrender. And it's interesting, the very first word that was spoken this morning was surrender, our need to surrender. This is a challenge for us because we have a will. You and I have a will, and our will constantly is working against what God sees best. It would be so much easier, as I mentioned, if God just came and took over. But he constantly is working with our will. And when the Spirit of God comes in our lives and we say yes to Him, we, we, we face day to day situations that we have a thought process in. We have a way of doing things. We have our own thought, thought process. We have our family. We have our heritage. We have our culture even. That says what we do. And yet when God comes, being a disciple sometimes that goes counter to everything we would otherwise know to do. In whatever situation we face. And discipleship is saying, do you know what, God, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This is, I'm going to give my will over to you. That's a challenge, though. There are parts of our lives that need to be changed and broken off. And and this is, again, not a work that we can do, but it's a work that we have to allow God to do. And we can't say we're going to follow Jesus and yet stay the same. You see, because following Jesus is, being, is Christ doing a work in us for us becoming more like Him. We don't just follow Him and stay as we are. We follow Him and become more and more like Him on the journey. And if we are unwilling to be changed by His Spirit, then the journey stops. We can't just kind of pick and choose, pick and mix of what God wants to do in our lives. We we're, we have to be all in and when he said, you know, come and follow me, be my disciple, but you have to lay everything before me. You have to give me everything of your heart, everything of your lives and just walk with me. And I will put my spirit in you, but there are things in you that are going to need to change if you're going to look more like me. Because the whole end of the day, God wants us, he's created us to be like him and he wants you to be like his son, but some things in us are not like his son. They're more like the enemy. We are born in the sinful nature. There's a, there's a root in all of us when we're born to this world that is not good. And God is wanting to transform us, wanting to renew us, wanting to sanctify us by his spirit. But you have to say, okay, God, even though I've always done this, I've always got this, this issue with anger. I've always had this kind of these problems. Actually, I'm going to surrender these things to you. And I know it's going to be hard, and sometimes those things are, there's a deeper root that is going to need to be dealt with. And maybe it's been behind a closed door, maybe there's a root of unforgiveness, maybe there's all sorts of stuff there. But when God starts to work in a heart, He says, I want to open the doors. I want to deal with those things. I want to set you free on every aspect of your life, but you have to let me in. You have to say yes to me. And in doing so, I, I'll bring the transformation. I I will do the work that needs to be done. But you have to be compliant. You have to be willing to, to allow change to happen. We are just more like Jesus by chance. We're more like Jesus when we say no to our old nature and yes to his spirit. We become more like Jesus in those moments. Our character and our thought process have to be altered. Again, I don't think we can become more like Christ without the renewing of our minds and the work of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit coming through us. But the funny thing is, I think, again, we can say the prayer of saying, God, I give my life to you. But we have to give our lives to Him. And then we have to go through a process of saying, this is how I always used to think. But God is challenging me to think a different way. So I'm going to choose to start thinking a different way. I'm going to choose to apply his word to my heart. I'm going to choose to apply his thinking into my thoughts. And and it's a process that doesn't just happen. It's something that we all have to work at. We have to get his word in our heart. We have to allow his spirit to work through us. And the fruit to show up in the most unlikely moments. There are things that we have to let go of. So that Christ can be formed in us. Galatians 4.19. Paul was Was praying for the church. That Christ would be formed in them. Do you know what the whole purpose of discipleship is that Christ would be formed in you. That you would become more like him. We're going to watch a video. Do you like videos? Oh, I hope you're going to like this one. That illustrates this. It's, it's, it puts it, it puts an image to this whole process that I'm talking about. So, David, if you want to start it. Ephesians
2: 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, (laughs) fuck. But I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, Dear Heavenly Father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No,
0: I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky.
2: Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh, okay, okay. Um, If you're God, what does Lamentations
0: 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh, why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh, okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to
2: win the World Series this year?
0: I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did. <laughs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you into my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> oh, hey, God. Mm-hmm
2: Hang on a second. I mean, I I, I gotta admit, I I feel like you've been doing some great work and I'm looking pretty good right now.
0: All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? It's rubbish it's garbage the greatest thing you're ever going to hear is at the end of your life when you hear me say well done good and faithful servant that's what you keep your eye on that's the prize heavenward oh that hurts oh trust me this hurts me more than it hurts you right okay i'm sorry i just i don't think you understand this pain pardon me you're asking me to sacrifice a lot god Be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not for me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. It's more than a saying, it's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh my Shh. You know what that is?
2: Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did
0: you get this? Hello? Oh yeah. Go ahead and read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry.
2: God. Did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know i messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me? And I feel so God's original masterpiece yes you are and so are you God doesn't make junk you are an original masterpiece
1: powerful isn't it this struggle that we go through with God You know, God knows what's best for you and me. And he calls us on this journey. But not just so that we can continue living as we are. But so we can become his masterpiece. We can look like his son. We can be all that he's created us to be. And I I really believe today that God is speaking to us. And I'm so encouraged when God speaks even before the message. In this call to surrender to him. I've got it in my notes. That God. That we would give God. Everything. This is the starting point. And I think there's some in this room. Maybe you've been struggling. Just like the guy in the video. Just. Maybe God's been trying to chiseling. Trying to change. Maybe trying to move in your hearts. And maybe we've just been resisting those things. God knows what's best, and he's asking us today, would you just let me have my way in your life? He loves you too much to leave you as you are. He wants to do great things in your life. And I think this morning it would be great as a kind of applicable way to to, to, to end our service together, is to allow an opportunity for us to respond to that. I think if God is speaking to us, we don't want to just just quickly rush out of this space but if something in that in the service today God has been pointing something out in our own hearts then the right thing for us to do is say God here it is here I am I I just invite you to stand thank you for listening
0: to this week's podcast at Centre Church one church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk